0: as long as she followed this rule everything was going to be all right but despair was starting to set in the task was gargantuan despite her planning despite her organizational skills despite having made countless lists and purchased every piece of equipment necessary and done a timing plan she was nowhere near her target so far only six puddings were done with six more boiling away merrily on the stove in a haphazard collection of saucepans, steamers and fish kettles, which meant twenty-eight to go. Josie pushed a strand of hair that could only be described as mousy out of her eyes. It had been nearly two years since she'd last been to the hairdresser to have the elaborate mélange of treacle, toffee and caramel she'd once favoured threaded through her locks. Vanity had evaporated with pregnancy, and now penury was responsible for her lack of grooming penury and lack of time. How on earth could she afford three hours to sit in the hairdressers with foil on her head and Vogue on her lap? The radio was spilling out Sunday afternoon jazz. She loved music on while she worked. On the floor, ten-month-old Titus sat bashing a copper saucepan with a wooden spoon, steadfastly missing the beat, but making up for his lack of rhythm with joyful enthusiasm. Josie flicked a glance at the clock. It was too late to put him down for a nap, If she did, he would never go to sleep tonight. At this rate, it was going to take her until dawn to steam the puddings before she could wrap them in their muslin cloths and tie them with string, then add a handwritten label to each one proclaiming it to be a product of the Plum Pudding Company, complete with a pen and ink illustration of little Jack Horner triumphantly pulling out a plum. The long, marble-topped island that bisected Josie's kitchen bore half a dozen mixing bowls. Inside were golden sultanas. Crimson cherries, deep purple raisins, and glistening shards of candied peel. Mounds of mixed spice and nutmeg and cinnamon infused the air with a spicy fug. Creamy butter whipped with softest brown sugar was loosened with fresh organic eggs that dropped from their shells with a languid viscosity. A bottle of vintage French cognac stood to one side, and next to that was a box of tiny reproduction silver sixpences, in keeping with the tradition of each Christmas pudding containing a charm for good luck. The sixpence would go in last, into the depths of each rich round ball of seasonal deliciousness, poked in with Josie's finger until it disappeared, only to be rediscovered on the great day. The puddings were made only with the best ingredients, organic and free-range where possible, the plumpest of fruits, the purest of dairy products, the finest sugars and flowers. They were destined for the tables of Bath's most discerning gourmand, to be sold at the Christmas market, at which Josie had rented a tiny chalet to peddle her wares. As well as Christmas puddings, she would be selling a range of traditional steamed puddings, all the usual flavours, sticky toffee, syrup, Sussex Pond, and some more exotic, ginger and cardamom, lime and coconut, as well as her signature snowball pudding, a bomb of white chocolate sponge that oozed Bailey's Irish cream. She had spent the last few months testing and trialling until she never wanted to see another pudding again. Worse, any hope she had had of losing her Titus Podge had vanished. She was too drained to diet. She religiously began each day with good intentions and a raspberry and almond milk smoothie, only to follow it half an hour later with three pieces of granary toast, butter and lime marmalade. It was the only way to appease the ravening beast gnawing at her insides. She was too exhausted to exercise. Four times now she had fallen asleep in front of the fitness DVD she'd bought from the charity shop, all her resolutions swallowed up by the overwhelming urge to sleep while Titus had his nap. Titus, a tsunami of joy and terror and adoration and panic, had swept through her the moment he'd barreled into her life, unapologetic. Never had a baby been so certain of his place in the world. He was her little ball and chain a mouth-watering dollop of ringlets and smiles, bracelets of fat at his wrists, and a button nose that he wrinkled when he grinned at her. The single white pickle chaser he'd sported for several months had been joined by an immaculate row of pearly teeth that he cheerfully dug into her shoulder for sport from time to time, if he felt she wasn't paying him enough attention. She picked him up from his place in the middle of the kitchen floor and hung him by the waist, his head and arms dangling at one end, his legs at the other. He gurgled and kicked. She swung him around and then lifted him above her so he was gazing down. His feet paddled in the air. He stretched one out and rested it on her nose, laughing at her.